This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another season of Driven by Data, the podcast. Powered by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. We are delighted to bring you season four of Driven by Data, the podcast. And our aim remains exactly the same, to bring you some of the most respected and recognized thought leadership figures from the world of data analytics to share their knowledge, ideas, use cases, and insights across how they've tackled some of the industry's most trending topics and challenges. All that's left to say is sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season four. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Ancha Bustamante, who is the VP of Data at Funding Circle. So thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm very, very excited. It's a great topic, so I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to delving into it. And uh, as we just said offline, it feels like a lifetime ago that we talked uh, about this uh, coming to fruition. It was back end of of last year, so I'm glad we we finally made it. But um, where we always start is by asking our guests to give themselves a, I guess, a brief introduction into their background and I guess journey up until this moment in time, if you'd be so kind, aren't you? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I am Antje. I'm originally from Berlin. I moved to the UK uh, four years ago, just before the pandemic hit. So I spent a lot of time in London, which was my always my choice. Like I, I love London. I always wanted to live here. So that was great. But then, yeah, I kind of spent uh, two years um, figuring out my little area where I lived. Um, I um, I studied 20 years ago. God, there I say it. Um, information science, so kind of analytics by by heart let's say and i've always worked in data really um back then I, I will say this because it's important to get a bit of the background that i'm talking about later we were two women out of 50 in my studies um and yeah i, I developed very early on uh, something's wrong i need to kind of you will hear more about that later um so yeah i've always been in analytics roles and picked up uh, management at some point I will not say management anymore. I want to say leadership because there's a big difference for me as well. Um, yeah, I've um, you know always been sort of in data transformations, um, building teams. That's where my heart is at. But also kind of um, the other day I said it at an, at an offsite at Funding Circle, actually, you know, once you feel what it's like to kind of create value, money, revenue, ROIs and then profit. And, but also, you know, amazing careers for people. That's when it's, that's when it's fun. That's when data comes in. So that's where my heart is at. Um, I am VP of data at Funding Circle and, uh, yeah, we're leading a big trend data transformation project right now. Um, and I've always sort of been in marketplaces, uh, so always looking at sort of two sides and thinking about how can data make their lives easier. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm I'm a trained career coach as well, uh, so I do a lot of mentoring and coaching outside of inside my job, outside of my job, and very strong advocate for <laughs> women and minorities in general to kind of you know get more diverse thoughts as well into our our area. Yeah. Perfect. Well, I mean, there's, there's so much to unpack in there. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that because I guess it, it kind of crosses 
many chasms, all of which, you know, I'm involved with in, in some capacity, you know, whether that's the roles itself, the the realm of, of leadership within data and analytics, the building of teams, the difference between management and leadership, building diverse teams. Um, yeah. so I'm looking forward to get, to getting kind of under the, under the bonnet, so to speak, I guess for anybody that isn't familiar, Ansha, just give us a bit of a high level overview of funding circle as a, as a business. Yes. Who wouldn't be non dropping? See, that's also what I do. I, I tend to drop. Um, so it was founded in 2010. I'm not going to go through everything, but I think what draw me to the role as well and to the mission, it's really about, you know, small businesses are the sort of backbone of our economy and particularly in the UK. And they, they, they have a hard time. I had a hard time back then to find funding for, you know, investments they want to make. So that was something the founders of a funding circle picked up in 2010 and sort of built a platform where small businesses that need investment find lenders that want to, or investors that want to give money. So we're connecting those uh, two groups and um, data and tech is a massive um, innovator for that because as you can imagine or in general, you know, going to a bank, applying for it, the process is really, really, really slow and, and you don't really know what's behind it. So um, yeah, that's really, so making making finance um, for small businesses easy, accessible um and you're helping businesses that you know give jobs to those countries that kind of help so i yeah i, I really like that that admission yeah. and, and data is a big enabler for that yeah of course fine <laughs> so i guess obviously you you've gone in there and taken over the vp of of data role i guess what was the instigating factor behind you being appointed you know what was the purpose of you being there what have you been tasked with achieving what was you know was some was there a catalyst to now we need somebody in a leadership position within funding circle that is going to own data and analytics for us? Yeah, interesting enough to our conversation, they used to have a CDO, um, and that role kind of went away for whatever reasons. Um, and I think it's it's the acknowledgement that the I think the company is in a place where you know when if you want to accelerate. And do more of what and, and do better and faster of what, what you're doing right now, then we they also they they kind of realize we need to think about how we treat data, how we do we have a vision, do we have a strategy, do we have the right team, the right skills, which is great. So <laughs> and um yeah, I, I guess it's not that someone said we want data transformation because I mean that's kind of you know for the purpose of itself. You don't really do that. You need to understand how does it how does it help with the mission to to do that. Um, so I guess what, what I found interesting was, um, for me, when I think of data and finance, for instance, I'm like, you know, immediately go through, well, how can you help people save money? How can you help people, you know, uh, do recommendations? Like it's those kind of things I think that, that we want to do moving forward. But it's also, there's quite a big team already. I will say it's the first time I will say that in my career that I walked into a company that already has a lot of people in, in, in their data team which is great. So I don't have to go and convince anyone. To, <laughs> in some areas you do because there's a lack of kind of some some skill sets. But normally in all of my jobs, you walk in like the first one in the UK, actually, that was, was super, they don't mind me saying this. <laughs> um, we were, I think, eight people or something, you know, and, and it was very sort of foundation, like basic, let's say, and, and they have a great tech stack now um, and great people. But yeah, I think it's that. It's kind of finding... Com there's no data strategy in place yet. So that's also part of the job to really say, how do we link what we do with data and how do we make a better 
understanding of how data moves the needle, I think that's something that's missing right now mm. and expected of my role. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I think that's really interesting, but also a, a good thing, right? That they realize that actually we need a data strategy and we need someone to help us define what that is and and ultimately execute it, right? But equally, what is also interesting is that they've had someone as a CDO previously, yet there isn't a data strategy in place, which probably leads quite nicely into into the the kind of gist of of today's conversation. No, I don't know that person, right? So I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, of course. No, I think it's just a really good example of what we're discussing. Yeah, yeah, of course, absolutely. Um, so let's kind of set the, the the scene a little bit. Then, in your eyes, the the CDO role, whether we have the title or not, right? Whether it's a de facto CDO role, whoever's the most senior data person in an organization. Obviously, context is king, and no no two roles are the the same, and no two organisations are the same. But in your opinion, what what should the CDO role be like? You know, what what's what is the purpose of that role in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, it's a very personal one, out of experience from those kind of twenty years and looking, having looked at um, you know job descriptions <laughs> that uh, that are being put out there. Um, I also be. I also be transparent. I um so I was in between jobs last. I did a bit of a career break last year, and um, did have conversations with companies as well about those roles. And it's just, I feel like it's not. It's just not defined. It's not you know not. You talk to companies. I want to hire a CDO on like ninety k, and you have two people, and just kind of show me. And it's it's called like that because that's how you think you're attracting you know the right people. But that's actually the first red flag for me where you're like, yeah, you don't need a CDO. You need a really great sort of hands-on data person. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of, you wouldn't ask a CMO to oh, do, you do a Python, you know, coding, like, can you create a picture of this? Or can you create, like, they, they do some creative tests. But I always find when I talk to the other C-levels, it's kind of obvious, you know, of course, the C do you need a CTO? You don't even discuss that anymore. And um, and maybe sometimes you should, <laughs> but um, I think a CDO role is is what I said earlier. It's it's kind of this in you're, you're a leader. You're you're on that level to inspire the greatest people, the greatest talent, to solve for the problems that your customers have. And your customers are not going to like. It's often this they're going to tell you kind of what what I hear that a lot. I'll talk to a customer and they will tell you or they won't. But I feel it's an understanding commercial driver understanding how 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 that business makes money and then i think there's something transformational as well in in the roles of cdos like if you hire a cdo you're you're, you're you want to take care of your data you want to treat it right you talk about it in the right language you know you don't make it a problem you make it an opportunity and i think that's something like whenever i go to and look i'm not a cdo right but when i go to round tables and and <laughs> panel discussions and whatnot it's very it's just very driven by the technology we use. And oh, I'm worried. Like the last discussion were actually around, went to a round table and it was very much in the topic was actually, how do we keep up with our tech skills? And I was about to stand up and leave because I'm like, that's really not what I think I should be worried in my role. Um, whether that's a VP or CDO or whatever, I think, you know, that kind of starts at head of level. And you have a lot of people actually that I, I, I mentor some and they're like, oh, you know, I'm so worried going into the leadership role. I'm going to lose track of the technical stuff. And, and and I think that's really a big problem. If you look at job descriptions, if you look at how we talk about, look at conferences. 
I love the big data and <laughs> all good. But when we talked about I so I went there and did a talk about leadership and I said, um, you know, to to organize, I was like, I find it hard to find things on leadership. Like I can go to anything and learn any tool, but I want to know, I want someone on stage that's vulnerable saying, hey, I created this team and those are the things I learned and those are the things I wouldn't do again. I think it's, it's for me, that is, you know, you're, yeah, you're, you're, that's, you're leading a transformation in a business that creates value in a sense that it's revenue, but also could be indirectly, right? If my customers get faster <laughs> to solving their problem, um, you know, in marketplaces, it's combining people, it's, it's, but it's kind of, I am, it's not. Often it's also very much referred to, and I've seen so many times with a lot of my peers that are like, oh, what analytics did you, our self-service, you know, or what tool are you using? Or we're reporting machines. Oh, can you, like every time the word KPI comes up, people are like, oh, that's, oh, that's a data thing. And you think, no, actually KPIs, you should all be interested in that. So yeah, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> you, as you can see, I'm very I'm very passionate about it because I feel that there's it's it's a leadership role than any other C role, but I think what a C level role, but I think what it does even more is kind of this inspiring. How do I solve or create new opportunities through data outside of this and the other bit reporting and infrastructure? And that's for me, that's kind of that needs to be in place to be able to do that. Yeah, hundred percent. So I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack there. I think you're absolutely correct, and and as you'd expect me to say, I see this, you know we help a lot of organizations to think about, you know, some of this stuff when they are on a journey to appointing a chief data officer or, you know, a data leader, who, whatever that, that title is. The non-standardization non is definitely a problem across the industry, um, mm -hmm. you know, because you, as you pointed out, right, you know, you have um, some roles have the title, but they just don't have the scope, the responsibility, the remuneration that that goes with it. You know, you have other people that have a, a really deflated title in comparison to the the role that they're actually doing and the remuneration. So there's no kind of level playing field, which for the most part is probably just a maturity thing, right? You know, I think like it, obviously context is always king and there's always going to be differences between, you know, global or multinational organizations yeah. versus startups okay. and, you know, di different levels. Right? We're talking about different kind of different playing fields there, but ultimately within reason if you're going to hire a cfo you kind of know what the cfo is going to do right and i think your point around data you know the, the cdo role or the, the data leader role it's about leadership or it should be about leadership but often it's not right and i think this is what i find myself constantly having conversations with organizations about is like yeah okay technology is important um and i've you know probably inadvertently created a bit of a reputation in the industry for kind of you know having a pop at the technology piece and that's not because i don't think it's important it absolutely is but it shouldn't be the exclusive focus and unfortunately in a lot of instances it is you know and it should be the infrastructure the reporting all of that should be a means to an end and as you said the transformation side of the equation is that's just the, the harsh reality right you know we're, we're asking organizations that have operated for hundreds of years in a certain way to do something different right so you need to have those skills and i think the leadership component of how you pull all of that together is really where you yeah. know the skill of the role lies and you know where success is 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 bred from which ultimately is it's changing habits that's what i always tell my team i'm like we're changing mindsets here and that doesn't happen overnight we all know how difficult it is to kind of get into new habits right and um 
And I feel that that's something where that that should actually be on the, like, you need to be able to do that. You need to be able to take people on a journey. You need to, and I will also like every time I say this on those roundtables and whatnot, I, and I hear other people say that as well, by the way, you had an amazing CDO on, uh, your show, Kate, uh, Kate Sargent from, I hope I pronounce this right from, yep. from the FT. And that's, you know, it's not like it's all bad, but I feel we have very few examples like that because also often you're in discussions where, where I'm like, the technology is not your problem and you're not going to be more data mature by implementing a tool because you don't need a very expensive CDO to tell you to implement, you know, I'm not going to name mention anyone, but you know, like, like there's already great technology out there that can solve your problems, but the problem sits behind the tools and, and even with AI and everything that's coming up, but also, you know, as long as you're not, no one diverse looking at this, no one kind of, I think it's, it's really about, and that's what I said, you know, when I when I talked to um, Funding Circle, well, I said your problem is not your tool because it's, it's we're in the cloud. Like you don't know, you do find companies that are not, and you know, there's a, that's a different podcast. <laughs> um, but it's all about how do I take people on a journey to really transform a business in the end? Because if you want to keep doing what you're doing, you're fine. Just keep the lights on. But you don't need a CDO to do that. Mm. Um, but I think it's about you know with the, the CFO example that you gave. You want to take care of your finances, but you want to take care of your data as well. You want to use the right language. You want to use the right investment. You want to use, um, you know, the right kind of how you treat it almost. Like if it's, if it's in a spreadsheet on your laptop, maybe that's not a great thing. (laughs) Maybe that's not how you enable fast growth, you know? Um, yeah, getting carried away. But that's, that's really, it's about what do you need to change? It's, it's, our hearts and minds, dare I say it, but that's really what it is, right? And that's how you attract great people as well. If I tell someone I'm going to implement this amazing tool, they'd be like, yeah, all right, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. And I've used the analogy before, you know, it's almost like hiring a CFO and then say, you know, can you do me a favor? And, you know, we're going to migrate from QuickBooks to zero. <laughs> they'd be like, what? What? <laughs> What's that got to do with me? You know, we can hire some people that that know that and can do that. But you know, this should be a more strategic, commercially focused. Obviously, if it's in a commercial environment, type of of role, which is is really interesting. I mean, Ancha, how much of this do you think is stemmed from the fact that there's this kind of probably just a, a I don't know what the right word is, whether it's misunderstanding or misperception of of what data and analytics is or can be because i think what i often see is that business leaders especially ones that are probably less familiar and haven't been you know heavily involved in this journey yet because data lives in a system they they automatically correlate it to oh this is a technology thing and we need to be able to move this data around these different systems and therefore we need a systems person and that's you know and that's the train of thought that then takes them down a certain pathway where they ultimately invariably make a wrong hiring decision at the very top and then 18 months later they come with a handout saying you know all right where's the ROI and it's like well you hired somebody to build some kind of infrastructure or implement a tool or whatever the case may be not using data to drive business performance so I sometimes wonder whether just the you know the, the discrepancy in what data analytics is perceived to be is really the, the starting point of this challenge. Yeah, totally. I think there's a there's a few things to that. Uh, that in my humble view, I I will say that there's also an I think part of the problem is there's an, a sort of entitlement within data leaders as well. 
dare I say it, I'm wondering what the comments will do below this post, but you know, it's what it is because um, I sometimes feel also in those round table, I, I, I remember one round table I came, I was just a week or two in the UK and there were still people meeting in, in real life. So round table, I was the only woman as well, um, apart from the moderator. And, and you know, it was almost like, a, uh, can I use this? It was almost like a bitching show. I was like at some point, you know, but Oh, my CEO doesn't get it and ha ha ha, they don't get it. And it was kind of this way, but how does that help anyone? Like it has this, I think, I think there's something about the industry that we've, we've also been told at university and whatever, if you do data, you always have a job, you'll be fine. Like data scientists, I mean, that's also, you know, that's kind of, um, and I think we're waking up to this now, <laughs> but I think there's been a time of where, where there's this, we were almost, trained a little bit to be like that because we're the odd ones out we're so special and kind of that uh, that sense you know so i think i think and not everyone is like that but i think that that's something i observe as well that we sometimes tend to uh, what's a better word for you know pitching that we sometimes kind of you know are a bit kind of but we're the experts we are that's our craft so part of my job is to teach others so if i find it really funny that someone doesn't get it i need to think about did i do the right job to kind of train people as well right so i think that one thing and then there's there's something about oh, it's, it's it's really i mean you see this in every post right and a lot of people um and that we know very well as well but it's kind of this um a lot of times the success of of companies is not really attributed to data which is kind of funny i use netflix as an example a lot of times um, they have these, like, they really understood, and they, you know, they would tell, actually, it's funny that the head of data science we once caught up, and he was like, you know, self-service is not amazing, like, I'm not going to say I'm like one out of whatever, but we really understood that, and that's what is at the heart of their product, it's at the heart of our product, so everything around it kind of needs to, you know, we, we as a business, we wouldn't hire someone that doesn't have certain skills, we would make sure to also bring in people that have, that have the knowledge and that understand how all that works. I don't, you see a lot of job descriptions for product managers, right? Where you wouldn't even ask, are you familiar with A-B testing? <laughs> or, you know, like those kind of things. Anyway, I'm drifting off. But so I think it's kind of a bit of, do we as leaders, as data leaders, are we ready to also take on the job of educating people? Because like I say, like most of the time, you're the most educated, of course, in the room, because that's your craft. Otherwise, you know, what would you be doing? And then there's something around, and that's a broader topic than data, because I feel that for CTOs as well, there's a broader topic of of leadership. It's getting better now, but oh my god, how difficult was it? You know, with with the, I mean, now people are really interested that oh, you're a coach. Oh, that's amazing, right? Ten years ago, people would be like, but how are your Python skills? And you think, well, no, no one on my team will care, you know. So I think there's something about that as well that there's still this perception of, and there's there's a lot of managers in place. I will say that that shouldn't be, that shouldn't lead people, that shouldn't, and I'm not saying managing, but leading. Actually, I in preparation for this, I read an article, it was really interesting. 82% of all managers that enter a management role have not had any training whatsoever on leading people. And I think that's, that's not a data thing in particular, but I observe that as well a lot. Um, you interview people, I interviewed a few um, for a few roles to be able to hire, and I asked, what are your leadership values? And it was awfully quiet. 
And I think for a head of, like head of director, whatever level I would expect two things. And it's more than I can really listen well to people. I'm like, yeah, okay. Thank you very much. You should be able to do that at very, at a lot of, but having a clear vision, you know, like how do I show empathy? Am I a system thinker? Passion for, for that matter. And of course, there's diverse ways of doing that. But yeah, I think it's the wrong people that, that are great ICs. They're amazing. But all of a sudden you promote this principal engineer to a CDO role because they're just so amazing with what they've built. But now the problem is not the technical stuff anymore. The, the, the challenge you have now is how do I make all of these people move in the right direction, motivate them, retaining them, hiring the right ones, building a brand for, for, you know, because it's also how you track people and make everyone in the company understand how I create value. Am I going to do that with a technical black focus? Probably not. And I think that's also the challenge. At Data Literacy Academy, we help large organizations roll out data literacy programs across the entire organization. But what does that really mean? Well, it's far more than data training. This is the foundation of great data culture, transformation adoption, and data product usage. So if you've got those priorities on your roadmap for 2024, visit www dl-academy.com where you can sign up for your free data literacy consultation and we'll help shape your people strategy for 2024 achieving those key strategic outcomes yeah 100% agree with that I think um, you know once you get to a certain level the role becomes you know about strategy about vision about commercials, about sales and marketing, about education, about hearts and minds. Obviously, the technical stuff is important because you need the infrastructure to be able to deliver. But ultimately, that, let's be honest, that's not the challenge for most organizations. We're actually really good at delivering the technology because that's all we've been focusing on for the last however many years, right? So I find it really interesting. And to your point there about, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of comments that happen at these, you know, events where it's, you know, they don't get it, you know, they're not willing to invest, they're not willing to do this. And I'm completely with you on that as well. And, you know, yes, there is a lot of politics. Yes, there is a lot of red tape. That's part of the job. That That's the part of the job at any for any C-level or, or kind of leadership level role, right? That's in play in every organization. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, the focus needs to shift a little bit but I think it's about helping organizations to realize that ahead of time before they make those decisions. And similarly with, you know, promoting heavily technical people into leadership role because they're great technically. I mean, that happens around the world across many industries, right? But um, absolutely. I mean, I put, I put a post out on LinkedIn, I think it was last weekend, um, that basically said, you know, I see a lot of, you know, LinkedIn influencers online that have like hundreds of thousands of followers, right? And they they say things like, when I when I was trying to break into tech or how I got my job in tech, but mm -hmm. they're a data analyst. And I'm like, okay, but so, you know, th there's all of these hundreds of thousands of people who are aspiring to be like you because you've got this great following and you've built this great brand yeah. and mm -hmm. you're spreading this message that they're a technologist and if they're a data analyst, they're not, they should be, you know, yes, they use technology, but they don't work in tech. They work with tech, right? So they, you know, yes, tech is part of the job, but ultimately they, they're trying to help the business to, you know, use data to drive 
business performance. And that's really, and I think there's that kind of that disparity of what the focus and what the job actually is. Is it's very... funny when someone says I'm in tech and you're like, well, you're probably in a digital business. So we all, I like a lot of people who's not, right? There's, of course, there's jobs that, that are not as, but especially when you talk to the same on a conference, like it's very rare. Yeah. Um, and then moving forward, honestly, it, it's not going to, do I work in tech? It's the same thing. Where does it report into, right? And I, I had different, different experiences with that. But yeah, in the end, it doesn't, also, that doesn't really matter as long as you, you know, if if that's not if you don't have the right sort of profile, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm working tech. I'm like, yeah, okay. We could probably probably sit here and rant <laughs> on this topic all, all day and long. I don't, look, I, yeah, it's, I think it's also I don't. And that's the point, right? It's it's we have to get out of that <laughs> sort of renting um, a bit. And I'm hoping with you know the the kind of yeah with with these kind of things like i hope that people listen to this as well and sort of start thinking about oh hey what is actually a good job description for this what what are these because it's also nothing wrong with asking i think that's also a bit in in those kind of areas because you and up you know up my like sort of on the level that i'm on let's help each other out a bit more you don't have to know it all and i will always say i don't which it's a bit of this vulnerability a bit of this let your ego go and because there's some companies that get it get it right to say hey we want to hire someone what experience have you made what is it good you're always happy to help so you know so it's not not just a rant but um yeah it's just a bit um i think we have to be faster at that change um because everything is moving so so quickly and especially if we want to attract talent or retain talent that's the hardest hardest bit i find right now um, yeah. I'm not going to do that when you're a technical expert. No, absolutely. So, look, I think obviously um, what we need to get to through this conversation then is a bit about the how, right? And uh, mm -hmm. I think we, we, broadly speaking, the why is fairly obvious, right? I think for many people, it's okay, well, how do I transition out of this type of, you know, role or focus or mindset or whatever the case may be to become a better leader. And what does that actually mean in the reality of being sat in a, a commercial org organization? I mean, I know we have a lot of conversation and debate in our industry right, about, you know, having a seat at the table uh, in quotation marks. Yeah. So I guess let's start there and then I can kind of unpick it from, from, from that point. First of all, do you need a seat at the table? And, and I guess then what constitutes you being at the level of having one or you know maybe being seen as someone who should be brought into that conversation mm. well uh, oh man where do i start um there's a there's a famous quote um that says if there's no seat at the table bring a folding chair it goes a lot with when no women or um, you know different when only men sit at the table um and i sometimes feel that that's not such a bad thing for data as well maybe it you know the more mid I, I believe also the more mature you get the less your role is actually needed at some point like ideally <laughs> you know you create a team and 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 it's kind of data is not that separate thing anymore it sits within marketing it sits within finance it sits within sort of like that's when i would feel okay i've done a great job now on to the next thing um so i think it depends a bit on your maturity level because someone needs to bring up the topic. Someone needs to say, hey, we're having all these great strategy ideas right now. How does data actually <laughs> support this? And a lot of times I would say that my colleagues would say we're either brought in 
too late or only when it's about reporting or do we need to migrate from this provider to this provider or how do our AWS costs or Israel costs stack up, right? <laughs> so yeah, I feel the less, I, I would say from experience, the less mature, the more it makes sense to, I mean, honestly, bring bring a chair. So what we implemented at, at Funding Circle now, for instance, is a separate data-focused monthly business review. So we're really like getting together. I can set the agenda. I can say, you know, do some education as well. Like I can pick the topics. It's not just reporting back how everything's going, but also, hey, these are my observations. These are my asks. Um, and I think our CEO has done a great job there to kind of, she also says, you know, they were very vulnerable in a sense to say, you're the one that knows, so teach us. And I think that's what it needs as well. But yeah, the seat in what shape or form, I think it's important as long as you're not creating that transformation, as long as you know, you always kind of feel like, and, and you have to be careful not to get off on a rent or even invited again. Um, <laughs> that's also dangerous, right? But yeah, bring a folding chair. You have to find your way. And if it's a different meeting, if it is building those relationships as well, right? Like I, I, I will say for the companies I've worked in, a lot of times I would have my closest allies in finance because I, you know, we meet every week and then I would find out, okay, where, where are we struggling? What do we need? What's the forecast? And then go back to the team and say, hey, how can, what do we do? How can we help and have those conversations, right? Because often I find within data, data teams as well, they wouldn't even know what the target for the end of the year is. It's crazy. Like, and within the data maturity assessment, I also ask a lot of people, explain to me how we make money and they sort of know, but yeah, it's that as well. And I think, um, Okay, I'm not going to repeat myself. I think it's just, you know, you have to find a way if it's not the CDO on sort of C-level that you have a natural seat, then then I think there's other ways. But as long as you're not highly data mature, you have to find a way how you can have that impact because people need to see you. It's all about representation in the end as well, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah. I think that whole marketing and brand piece is, is really important. I think it's interesting and probably important to, to note that, you know, even some large companies that have a CDO doesn't mean that they are actually in the C-suite club, right? Have, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that they, they are sat around that boardroom table. So again, it almost comes back to that point of that's the job. The job is for you to build those relationships and find a way to make sure that you can have that conversation, whether it's, you know, bursting down the door and you know um unfolding your your, your fold up yeah. chair or whether it's creating a separate meeting or a separate you know a, a separate mechanism to to do that i think that's really important one, one thing i just think about which is probably interesting for hopefully for people that listen what i realized in the last year is that the combination of data and commercial like i've had pnls i've in this job i don't yet working on it and the the search for non-executive uh, directors for companies with particularly with data backgrounds it's quite hot i will say like normally you would have to be like i was quite surprised when i was approached for the first time because i thought i always thought you need to be on that kind of ceo whatever level already right and that headhunter actually said as well yeah normally like five years ago you wouldn't have you wouldn't think about this because you really had to and, and you also wouldn't think of the cto or cdo as a non uh, as a net but that's happening right now. That's really happening. Um, so if you have that combination, it also career-wise <laughs> can help you quite a bit to get, you know, to to on those on those board levels as well, because that's what's really missing in boards as well. That's where that kind of comes from as well. The whole 
CDOs, does that work or not? But once you have more people in there, that, that could be a good thing. You know, we should pick up more board roles and then we solve the problem from, but that's <laughs> what it is, right? I'm just saying there's a massive opportunity of combining. Like I realize that having combined those things helps with those discussions right now. So, 100%. Yeah. I mean, so, so we, part of our service offering, if you want to call it that, is that we created a, a kind of mechanism where organizations can choose people to work in a kind of fractional NED board advisory capacity because often from the conversations that we had, you know, if if a company wasn't 100% sure of the direction or the strategy, you know, so they didn't want to go out and hire a CDO because they didn't want to commit to, to that as a direction of travel. Yeah. If then the strategy, you know, when a strategy was put together, it was we're not keen on that for whatever reason, you know, don't have the time, don't have the funds, whatever, whatever it is. And equally for often for the same reasons, they didn't want to go and appoint a McKinsey or a Bain, right? Or one of the big strategy houses. So we've, I've noticed for the last probably three or four years that there's been this gap and we had Sanjeevan Bala, the, the CDO um, from ITV okay. on the podcast. And we talked about that as the, what is the, what is the next step for the CDO? And that whole, you know, getting into the boardroom as a, a non-exec was the really the topic of of discussion because, as you said, right, you know, historically, boards and the advisors to boards have been made up of, you know, legal and compliance and building operations and finance type folk. Um, but in the world that we're moving to, that is heavily digital, technology and data needs to be at the heart of that. So I think we're going to see more and more opportunity for data leaders whatever the title to kind of you know become strategic advisors to the board so yeah maybe you know um it's almost the the top down bottom up approach right you know maybe we can squeeze from both sides and and eventually get there which is is really interesting i've had many people on this podcast um who've i guess given me conflicting messages about what they think the future of the cdo role is so we've had some you know fairly big names say over time, the CDO role will not exist because data will just be so embedded into an organization. There might not need to be a central person that owns it. And then mm -hmm. you have some people that will say the exact same thing on the premise that it's going to get kicked out for all of the, <laughs> the perceived failure, right? Where do you sit on that spectrum? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> hmm. I, I think it depends. <laughs> uh, there she goes no i think um i think i'll stick to kind of this this maybe it's not a chief data officer at some point anymore like i think it's almost because why not be chief data revenue officer or something like it's it's creating revenue lines out of indirect or direct revenue. i think that's the only way how companies will understand the true value of it i can i can give you so many dashboards but uh, there's always going to be a great analytic set of or whatever. Mm. Um, and then the more mature you get, you know, the the more like kind of I think the 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 your C level will have to evolve with it. You can kick it out if you have that at a certain level and that thinks about that craft as well. But I think you you there's no there's not going to be any business that doesn't like even right now, right? I think we produce as much data in one day than we did twenty years ago and. I don't know, a year or something. So making sense of it, the problem is not not to have data. The problem is what do you do with it? And how do you how do you link that to something that, you know, and in, in, in our case, the the small business can like I, I would love to kind of help them 
saving costs, for instance. And of course I can do that if I understand that business, if I understand if revenues are going up or down, if that area of business they're in, dry cleaners is, you know, more more demand or not. Um, and I think we can establish recommender with data that helps them steer their business. Should I invest in something bigger? Should I maybe go down? Should I change my suppliers? Should I change in a different area? I don't know. I'm just making this up. But and now I'm going off a bit from your question. So I think um I think it's not a I think the role will has to change. It has to change because I I think if businesses don't if they don't adapt to that fast environment, you're gonna be eaten up. Yeah. Because there's clever people out there, very clever people. And I mean, to copy business models these days and spin something up within a month or two with some people sleeping in a mattress on the whatever, because that's what happens as well, right? I think that's what we need to be worried about as well. You've got clever technology, clever people, and that's what you have to run with 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 any role, I guess, on C level, but particularly in data. Yeah. And it's always about how do I create the next customer or consumer for that matter, right? It depends, but I'm very sort of, of course, customer focused. But yeah, where do I sit on that spectrum? I think you will always, if you combine that transformational thinking, because you can do that outside of data as well, right? I could probably help change marketing teams as well in a sense that I'm not the expert but I know that you have the experts in your teams right so transformational thinking knowing how to treat data as an asset to really treat it as an asset and use it to do that I think you will always kind of need that whatever you want to call it yeah I think Maybe that's the thing that needs AI officers already and chief data ethics they big 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 topic I think if you hang on to that so you know it's, it's combining that as well I think um, we're not going to be in trouble finding a job but if you only stick to the technology bit you're going to be you're going to be dead in five yeah. years. You go sooner. Yeah. I think, I think it's transitioning from, you know, the almost the data ownership to the usage of it. Right. You know, so you talked about the, the chief data revenue officer, right. And, you know, obviously there's many businesses that have CROs, right. In a, in a very true sense, as far as like sales organizations. And I think we need to almost get to that point to help change the perception with from you know business leaders boards exco's to okay it's not just about having someone that is responsible for the data and the quality of it and you know even the analytics to a certain extent it's actually tying it to real life use cases that moves the needle and drives the performance of the business in relation to where that business wants to go to so i think that's that's really interesting i mean we could talk on this topic all day and I'm, I'm conscious of of time and i really want to get onto you know your journey within leadership and career coaching and how that's helped you to become a better a leader just talk to us about the importance i guess of upskilling as a as a leader you know from a ic to a manager of people to a leader like in your eyes what's the differences and i guess how can you ensure that you're constantly you know, developing yourself to to improve in the areas that you need to improve in. Yeah, I think the first thing that happened for me is kind of finding you need to find your purpose as a leader. Like what what's your purpose? And for me, that was something where I I, I was lucky and privileged uh to have mentor, mentorship and 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 coaching in my life and my career. Um which is why I'm giving this back right now as well. But I think that's something, finding finding your purpose and what are you really, really amazing at? Because particularly, I will say this, particularly women are very focused on their flaws because we get told a lot like, oh, you need to speak up, you need to be this, you need to be that, and oh, not so loud and not so this. So I will say at some point, I was like, 
let's look at what I've done and how I how I had impact. And I think it's I want to be my purpose is I want to be part of career changing moments for people. I want someone to look back at their career and say that that she was my manager, that my leader, that changed this completely for me. You know, she helped me um create my own career, but also being creating value in what I'm doing. Because it also, you know, and I think that's part of the problem because some people hear that and they're like, yeah, but how do you make money? I think if you have those people and they know you've got their back, you fight their corner, you're interested in their career just as much as you are on your own, they will bring your success ultimately. Like they will fight for you, of course, if they know you, 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 you're there and you have those conversations. Um, so that was for me the first thing, kind of, okay, I'm very focused on how do I help people having those career changing moments? How do I, because also it's kind of, you put people in a leadership role and then also how do you have development conversations? And it's it's really a hard thing to do. This is not, you read not one book and then, okay, I'm going to ask four questions. It's like when people say, I'm, I'm, I did some coaching and I just want to cringe at it because I'm like, you're offending a whole <laughs> coaching nation because I think that's actually a craft as well. You need to learn, right? Because just you ask three questions, you're not a coach. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, that for me was one thing. And then I realized I've been training my technical muscles for such a long time. Now I need to train my leadership muscles. And how do I do that? So there were a few things that, you know, I wanted, I knew that coaching for me was eye opening. So I wanted to understand methodologies better. So I did, I did a, yeah, and, um, training basically that led to a certification in the end. But also it's been a while now. So I'm thinking this year to do something on, you know, sort of positive psychology in terms of change management, for instance. I don't know how many tech leaders you would find that say that's actually something. I, I know some in, in, in my network, of course, but I think that's what you need to focus on. So that's the one thing. And I think it's, you need to also change your bubble. Um, the area you and the people you follow, the people that, I mean, the conversations you're having, the questions you ask yourself, um, create your leadership values. Like, I, I do not understand how you can go into an interview from head of level and not have them like this, you know? Who are you? Who are you as a leader? I think that's really what you need to nail down. And um, because people that you interview, they will want to know. That's a crazy lady. <laughs> I'm going to work for it. So, yeah, it's... um. And then re reverse mentoring is something that I, I love because, uh, I, I make, I do not do, I don't have experiences that black women do. I just don't, right? But if I want to help someone and, 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 and my team, and thankfully I've always created very diverse teams, I need to understand their reality and, and it's kind of giving back. Yeah, I can help you with your career, but I also need to understand why, you know, you have certain triggers, why you don't, do certain things on neurodiversity, another topic, like, but pick one. I would always say, don't start with everything, <laughs> but it's, it's, and that's what I tell everyone that wants to be a leader in my team. I'm like, you need to now train your leadership muscle and this, and this never stops. I think it's a, it's a gift to be able to, you know, you're, 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 you've been given a team that, and people and their career, you spend, so much time with each other and um i think it's a, it's a, for me it's a true um yeah it's a, it's a gift to be able to do that so i to be able to use that i need to really train train that muscle and they need to see oh okay she's been to that whatever you know conference she's in and you know i'm kind of doing this as well because i feel you know getting the message out to change 
how leadership works, how how this can, and, and it's not about being soft or anything. Yeah, I'm interested in making money just as much as everyone else is and creating value. But I know you you what a, what an amazing feeling it is when when you know I left my last trip and she there was someone that got back to me and and they said, you know, with joining your data team, you changed my life. I mean, that was there was a lot of personal stuff to it where where I helped them with, but um, it's just amazing to have that to do that as a, as a, so many times as well in, in those roles. So yeah. Mm. Yeah, as you can see, I I I really I I love what I'm doing. I love bringing teams together. I love seeing people succeed. I mean, in the end, we we work, you know, with our life. Life's too short to be miserable. So um yeah, I I I think find your purpose and that can be different for different leaders. Um get your leadership uh values right. What are you? What kind of leader are you? And then train exactly those muscles every time. Like find great Read every book from Brené Brown, <laughs> um, and I think Simon Sinek is always on the. Yeah, he does great stuff. That I he would say, you know, I didn't invent the leadership muscle; it was actually him. <laughs> and I think really understanding that I'm not managing people. These are adults. We're not in kindergarten. I'm not managing anyone. <laughs> Everyone has their own mind, right? I'm helping people to succeed and the company, therefore, to succeed. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's. I I find it very interesting that. And, and I think this is probably more of a reflection of our industry than anything else. But, um, you know, when people are on the ascent in the early years, they do, you see all the time, right? You know, I've just got this new certification in Databricks or whatever, right? And that happens on a monthly basis, right? Let's say. And then when they get into the realms of, you know, managing a team or, or, or lead, you know, data leadership, those things tend to stop because they are detached from the technicalities often. But, you know, but, but the, I guess the, the, the willingness or, you know, whether it's time, I'm not sure, but I guess the point is you need to make time, right? You've got to continue developing yourself as a leader, just as much as you did when you were on the technical track coming up through, through your career. So it's, uh, it's about that last question. Cause I'm conscious of time. I know that you became a certified career coach. I presume that was as a mechanism to be a better leader. I don't think you're going to be giving up your day job to be a career coach, although I may be completely wrong. So if I am, I have all those board roles at one point. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, just talk, talk us through the instigating point. So wh why did you decide to do that? And I guess what are the benefits that, that you've seen? I wanted to, uh, when I took on the my first leadership role, I had a team of four. And and they are all of their questions. So they were really great people because their first question was, how are you going to help me make that move at some point, right? And I thought, huh. I don't I don't know enough methodologies. Like I want to have a bit more methodology to me that that and I can Google and I can ask other people or whatever. But um, so that was one part. And then I did have to get me to my sort of management when that happened. I worked with a career coach and I saw how impactful that is. She was amazing and um, really has to fit as well. You've got to be a good match. Similar to your, you know, therapist, but because <laughs> that's really what it becomes, right? If if they're great, then you unpack a lot of stuff that mm -hmm. that you bring to the table. So yeah, it's I had great career coaching, but I also and, and I kind of knew what it does to me, and I wanted to be able to um, really use those methods. Um, I actually did one this week outside of um, <clears throat> it's called Career Anchor. <laughs> um, the people in my team would be like, "Oh, there she goes again, Career Anchors. But it's such powerful thing as a as a leader to do a bit of a, it's like a questionnaire, you figure out where your head is at, management or technical or this, and it really helps you actually hold up the mirror to that person. So 
it's those kind of, you know, different coaching methodologies that I wanted to learn because I thought, well, what's, I think that's the leadership muscle you train. There's other things as well, but um, for me, and you also need to really understand when to use them. And <laughs> some people may work on but some they don't. But yeah, I wanted to have that because um, I thought it was transformational for me. Um, and I feel a lot of people um, that I'm now coaching or that where I use uh, those methods, it really helps. So, and honestly, it's also a good thing on your CV. I mean, it drives up your your own value, right? Because you you set yourself and you need to think about how do you set yourself apart in a world like data, like like I said, I mean, AI is going to sort for so many things and, you know, the technical bit is going to become more, more difficult. So I think if you're someone that can actually say you hire someone and you tell them you're a trained career coach, they don't choose you instead of the person that says, yeah, I read some book every now and then. 100%. So yeah, a bit, that yeah. was my development kind of, and yeah. That makes perfect sense. And I think that's a perfect place to to end. And I'll give you a bit of context um, as as to why. So I see so many people leave organizations on the premise that their work isn't being used right so therefore if it isn't being used it can't be valuable and then you get into this whole cost-centered debate around data analytics right mm. um but fundamentally i've said for a long long time pick a leader over a company because it's on the leader to make sure that your work is used and if you pick the right leader then that's only going to help your career you know, over over the long term, as opposed to what we've seen for many years before it, where organize you know people will choose an organization and they will make that decision based on well, how much are they going to pay me, what's the tech stack, all that stuff. Like, pick a leader because that leader will be more fundamental to your career than the name above a door ever will. So, and it's perfect. happening a lot more. Yeah, I think that's uh, you can see that as well. Yeah. So, uh, thank you so much for your time we we could honestly we could probably rack up a three-hour podcast quite comfortably but um for the yeah benefit of our listeners we 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 won't do that but um thank you so much for joining us it's been an absolute pleasure and uh really appreciate the transparent and very candid conversation and um yeah look forward to uh speaking to you again soon thank you so much thanks so much for having me this was this was great That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like, and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week.